You're listening to the It Just Means Less podcast uh, with your hosts, Micah and Dan. We're going to be going over our 2020 ACC men's basketball review where we talk about our players of the year, games of the year, and we're going to give each team a grade based off their preseason expectations. But before we begin, kind of want to introduce ourselves with this being our first podcast. Uh, your host, Micah. Uh, I run fifth quarter ACC. I live in North Carolina. Big ACC guy. I live just down the road from Wake Forest University. So that'll be the team that I kind of have a little bit of bias for. I'm willing to admit that here on the on the podcast. Um, with that being said, I've been to every ACC stadium for a game. Uh, so I've experienced every every campus in our wonderful conference, and I've you know seen it all. Uh, I'm excited to kind of get, get, get started with this. I'll let Dan kind of introduce himself, tell him a little bit about yourself. Like I said, I run the fifth quarter ACC page, so please shoot us a follow or interact with me on that. With that being said, Dan, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, I'm Dan at NYWahoo33 on Twitter. I uh, also run an ACC account called Average Conference Content, which is attached to my personal. I'm a big UVA guy, but also the ACC in general, so I'm not here to be a homer. I like to keep it unbiased. Um, I'm very into data analysis, so you might find me using all these like fancy stats to back up my points. Uh, I live in New York where I go to high school, but during this whole academic, I've kind of been stuck at home, no March Madness to watch, spring baseball canceled, so no sports to play either. So I've been kind of sitting home watching old sports games and I guess making Twitter brackets that sets entire fan bases off. Yeah, I'm still so amazed that the fifth quarter ACC page made a run. So shout out to all the fans that you know made that happen. Actually upset Dan here in that first round. So <laughs> thank you, ACC Nation. But that being said, let's kind of just jump right into it. Uh, I don't know where you want to start. It's kind of up to you, Dan. We can kind of go from there. I think that we should kind of just discuss uh, overall our, our accolades. Uh, I think we should get it started. I, I think we should at least say our team of the year. Um, I don't know if you have one. Uh, mine's going to be Florida State. I think that, you know, obviously going into the year, they were the ACC's uh, preseason fifth seed. No one actually gave them a first-place vote in the media, which is kind of surprising. But, I mean, if you think about it, they weren't the most talented, you know, individuals, but they were definitely the deepest of all the teams in the conference. Um, I think Leonard Hamilton did a great job. And, obviously, when we talk about Coach of the Year, his name I'm sure will come up on our end. Uh, but Dan, who do you think was your team of the year? Yeah, I think it's undisputedly Florida State as well, as they won the conference at 26 and 5, 16 and 4 in the conference. Um, as the last couple of years, they've had a ton of length. I length. I thought they were actually better, more talented. At least last year, they had those uh, Kumaji and Kavan Gelly coming off the bench. They actually beat the national champs UVA, and um, I think them winning the ACC and being ranked so high is just a product of. Um, college basketball in general being much worse, but you know, I got a credit to them. Of course, they won their first ACC regular season title in their school's history, and um, a lot of credit goes to Devin Vassell, who really stepped it up. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, kind of think we should leeway it in because my coach of the year is Leonard Hamilton from Florida State. I think that for a man that looks like he's fifty and is up there in his seventies, it's quite incredible what he does. Um, the way he utilized that entire team. I've never seen a team really run through 10 guys like they did. Um, you, you never really knew who was going to be the hot hand, but you always kind of could count on someone coming off the bench to do so. I think the way he handled his bench, and obviously it helped that he had that depth to where, you know, if someone got two, three fouls, he could put someone in that pretty much jumped right back into place where, you know, some of the teams and your Wahoos, 
you know, once the, you know, Jay Huff or Diakite got into foul trouble, you kind of start to wonder where the length's coming from. Or, you know, if Kihei Clark got into trouble, you're kind of kind of figuring out who the ball handler is going to be. Um, so definitely I think Florida State there. And the way Coach Hamilton handled things makes him my coach of the year. But what are you thinking, Dan? I was actually thinking Tony Bennett because of that reason, how, you know, they didn't have all this depth. They didn't have the most talented team. And I think this was his best coaching job. A lot of people say this his best coaching job of all the years. You know, he's won a national championship. He's won several ACC titles. He's won several official ACC Coaches of the Year awards. But I think this was his best coaching job. Um, and they, they started actually 12-6, and 4-4 four and four in conference, and they finished they finished on 11-1 and one run. So, like, in my opinion, the Coach of the Year means, like, the best to do. Like, you do the best with the hardships that you can't control. So Tony Bennett, he recruits well, but he couldn't really control that three players left early and still finished second in the ACC, which is extremely impressive. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely impressive. It was one of those things where if you look at the, you know, the overall body of work and where they started at the beginning of the year in the preseason polls to where they ended, I mean, they accomplished what they were expected to accomplish. But, I mean, you're right, that first half of the year <laughs> – you almost could bank on Virginia either being in a tight game with teams they shouldn't be, you know, even competing with in a gym or, you know, like you said, the, the Purdue game, the, the, the South Carolina game, those games were um, definitely not a good look to start, but they definitely turned it around and he did have to do a lot. So I definitely, definitely commend him for that. I am curious to see now that you're kind of talking, and I mentioned it a little bit too. I have, I was impressed with UVA's overall, you know, individual talent. They had those two or three guys, obviously, that really stood out. Or Florida State really necessarily didn't have those, uh, you know, major individual pieces. Uh, what were you thinking for your, you know, your first and second team All ACC? I know we both came up with a list. I'll let you you'll start right, with your so first first go, team. Why don't we both go over our first teams and we'll discuss that, and then we'll both go over our second teams. That sound good? That's fine with me. All right, so for my first team, I got Trey Jones, Je- Devin Vassell, Jordan Nawara, John Mooney, and Vern Carey. All right. Yeah, we, so we're, we're pretty similar on that. I got Vernon Carey from Duke, Jordan Nawara from Louisville, Trey Jones from Duke, Mamade Diakite from UVA, and I actually have Elijah Hughes from Keys. Mm. All right. Um, so I guess I'll explain each of my picks. So Trey Jones – I mean, so what I do when I decide my teams, I like to go by the stat called win shares, which um, essentially it, it like calculates the offense and defense that's produced while you're on the floor. It's very similar to the efficiency ratings produced by like Ken Palm and those other metrics. But what it does is it isolates an individual player. So like in theory, if all your team's players, their win shares adds up to 22, then you should have won 22 games that year. So that's why I like Trey Jones. He leads all point guards in win shares. Obviously, the traditional stats, 16 points per game, 6.4 assists per game. Um, and that's the same reason I picked Devin Vassell, really led Florida State to that eight, that first ACC regular season title. He also led shooting guards in win shares. Nor was an easy pick. A lot of people thought he should be ACC um, player of the year and. He had 18 points per game. I mean, you can't really pick against him. John Mooney was an absolute force in the paint. I mean, the dude averaged 13 rebounds per game. He was just a monster in, in there. And um, Vernon Carey, no question about it. He was also my ACC MVP. So, um, 
he was by far the ACC leader in win shares, 18 points per game, monster in the boards, elite defender. I mean, you name it. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt there. Um, since we kind of you kind of mentioned it a little bit, who was your player of the year? I have I had Jordan Nawara as my player of the year. You know, you mentioned him. People were saying he should have been on the ACC media vote. I agree with anyone that says that. I think that he was by far the best individual player in the ACC. But where you, where, where's your head at on that? I said Vernon Carey because you know he was by far the ACC leader in win shares, and he was just at all assets of the game just a monster. He really, I mean, I know. Duke actually ended up not finishing in the top three in the conference, but he, like, their success really relied on him, and they and it really wasn't far. Like you could could you could um argue that any of those teams, Florida State, Virginia, um, Florida State, Virginia, Duke, and Louisville were were could be the best team in the conference. So they're really all in that tier, and um, Carrie really like carried that Duke team. Yeah, no, absolutely, no, I agree. Um, with that being said, uh, I know, I think when I said Elijah Hughes, you kind of gave a little bit of a reaction to that. And I know that's a lot of people don't have him on first team. I believe he was the ACC second team um, via the media. But if you look at it, Syracuse was not Syracuse without Elijah Hughes. Uh, no one on that team really put up the, you know, the effort that he had. I mean, he was averaging 19 points a game, shooting, you know, almost 43% from the field. That's pretty. That's pretty good. I mean, let's just let's just be frank there. I don't think Jim Beheim's team this year really was that good. I was honestly shocked that they were even, you know, a bubble team halfway through the year for a while there. You know, they started so slow, picked it up in the middle, and then obviously kind of faded off into the sunset as things kind of got moving. But you know, they he was the only consistent piece on that team. If the team won, it was because of him. If the team lost, it normally wasn't his fault. He was still having a pretty decent game. Um, obviously had a couple bad games there, um, but he's definitely, in my opinion, a, a key piece. Same way with Diakite. Um, he came in a second team for a lot of people as well. But, I mean, just his his persona, his clutchness, I guess, would be a weird way of putting it. Obviously, he's, you know, well-known for the shot against Purdue last year in the NCAA tournament. But, you know, he really made some key plays. Um, defensively, he was phenomenal. I mean, he he definitely personifies that pack line defense that Coach Bennett has. So I definitely think that, you know, he was worthy of that. And the one thing that was crazy about this year with the ACC was we really didn't have that, you know, one key guy that really just, you know, the ACC wasn't what it normally is. It's not, it was not the best conference in college basketball this year. Normally I would, I'd fight that to the end, but you know, this year it just wasn't as, as strong as it was. We didn't have a Zion Williamson. We didn't have a Malcolm Brogdon, you know, we didn't have, you know, a Kobe white or anything like that. So it's not like we were, you know, at the strength of what the conference normally is. So that's kind of where I went with that. I do kind of want to hear uh, why you were thinking first team. I know the media did too, but, you know, John Moody at Notre Dame, I didn't think he was that great, but I kind of want to hear why you were thinking he was a first team. I know you have a lot of the statistical stuff on that. So kind of want to hear why you were thinking he was a first team guy. Well, I could uh, pull up the wind share stats in a minute, but um, I really just – thought for the same reason that you thought he was a Syracuse I mean, Mooney was kind of that force for um for Notre Dame I mean yes there is Hubs there there is Hub there is Gibbs but um I really think he was just he was just dominant in the paint I mean you couldn't stop him I mean there were there were like points where he reminded me of Luca Garza from Iowa I don't know 
I mean, he was like an absolute stud, perhaps one of the best players in the country and maybe the best big man besides Obi Toppin. But, um, I mean, 13 rebounds per game, that's phenomenal. Like there's – that that's complete dominance in the paint. Like there's there's nothing that really like compares to that. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's definitely something that you don't hear about too much. You know, obviously when you think of players of the year, a lot of times you're thinking about their – you know, their 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 points per game, assists per game, their overall per game. That's yeah, exactly damn good. Also, yeah, he's all over the place. He's consistent with that. So no, that's definitely definitely good reason. I guess I just didn't tune into enough Notre Dame games. Maybe if they join the conference for football, I'll care a little bit more <laughs> about them. Um, but yeah, with that being said, well, I'll lead into my second team. I got John Mooney. So obviously, I don't think he was by any means, you know, not a, a all conference performer, but just didn't make my 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 top five cut. I got Devin Vassell from Florida State, got Kihei Clark from UVA, Jose Alvarado from Georgia Tech, and Markel Johnson from NC State. Um, Before I kind of let you talk about yours, I just kind of want to give a little bit of reasoning for that. Uh, I think that a team like Georgia Tech had to have a first or second team guy when you're the, you know, a top six team in the conference. You really uh, deserve some sort of representation. And Jose Alvarado just, you know, I I can't say anything bad about him. He wasn't wasn't great, but he was never – you know, he never really had a poor performance. Kind of reminded me of Elijah Hughes. You know, when things were going for Georgia Tech, it was him kind of putting the team on the back in the same way with, you know, Mark L. Johnson at NC State. You know, that was a team that, you know, I think would have made the NCAA tournament if, if we would have had it. Um, definitely would have been a big push for, the, for them to be at least, you know, last four in. But, you know, again, he, he, he was the spark. You know, whenever, you know, State needed a spark. Same way with Kia Clark at UVA. You know, whenever – UVA needed a, a, a basket or needed, you know, uh, a, a, cluck, a clutch look, excuse me. You know, you, Kia Clark would find that open guy every time. I mean, he showed his presence as, uh, you know, his freshman year, yeah, freshman year with UVA last year. His freshman year, right? Was he a sophomore last year? He was a freshman last year. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. So, with, you know, obviously, he got mature this year and he didn't have the same pieces. I mean, he really did have to, you know, learn to create on his own. I mean, Got some young guys behind him. You know, Walden Tensai was a good shooter, but didn't really get going until, you know, middle of the year. And Walden Tensai still had his <laughs> some off days down the stretch he also, there. He was also only a shooter. Like, if he wasn't exactly. three. I mean, yes, he improved defensively throughout the year, but that's really all he added to the offensive end. Exactly. And, I mean, you know, Diakite is only, you know, there's only so much. He's not He's not really a – he did pick up his shot down the stretch, which is definitely a, a good thing to see. But, I mean, especially with Key being out for, you know, I don't say majority of the year, but for good parts of the season, you know, he really had to learn to be – he had to step up, and, and he definitely showed it. And, you know, that, that clutch three, you know, at the end of the game there. He's one of those guys you definitely feel comfortable putting the ball in your hand. You know, him and Diakite, obviously, you know, this is not 2020, but, you know, that March Madness run, if Kihei Clark doesn't have that beautiful feed of Diakite for the buzzer beater, you're not saying defending national champion Virginia. So, you know, he definitely continued to improve on that progress from last year. So that's kind of why he was on there. And then obviously Florida State has to have representation. If we did a third team, I feel like three or four of my my five third team guys would be Florida State guys. But you know, I think I think Devin Fassell stood out the most to me on Florida State. Again, there were so many pieces on that team that, you know, like I said, there was not a single superstar, but just the way they, you know, they they mixed together and the way Hamilton, you know, basically played a game of chess with them was, you know, enough for me to. The guy definitely give him some sort of representation, but I kind of want to hear your second team. All right, so um, first of all, with Key, I mean, he he didn't miss that many games. The issue was 
that he, he just had a nagging wrist injury that affected his play. And, um, you know, he could clearly see that his free throw percentage went down by like 20%. So that was just, he just had a nagging wrist injury most of the year. But um, my second team, all ACC was Kihei Clark, Michael DeVoe, Elijah Hughes, Mamdi Dikite, and Garrison Brooks. So I'll go through each of those. Um, Kihei Clark, like you said, um, I don't know if a lot of people would have considered him second team all ACC. Was he officially or was he third team? Who for who? Kihei Clark. Kihei Clark was third team for the ACC. Third team. So I, so I might be biased a little bit here. I don't, but I definitely think he deserves it. I mean, he was a double digit scorer, third in the ACC in assists per game, and he's elite defender in his position. It's really impressive what he could do. The way he could nag the ball handler with his size. I mean, almost uses his small stature to his advantage in that respect. Um, and if we're going by my wind share stats, he was second in point guards. And he was second among point guards in wind shares. So that supports my reasoning as well. Um, Michael DeVoe is another rather unpopular pick. I didn't really go based off of the fancy stats here. He was just a major offensive force, 16 points per game. And he really helped carry Georgia Tech to they actually ended up finishing fifth in the ACC. Um, Elijah Hughes, probably the best of the five on this team. You had him first team, and I and for good reasoning. But I just had to put um, Nuora as my small forward for the first team. Um, and he led the ACC in points per game. Also, a solid defender. Dikite, fourteen points per game. Very consistent shot blocker. Probably the most consistent shot blocker in the ACC. And he also added the three to his arsenal this year. And then there's Garrison Brooks. I like him for the same reason as Mooney. He's a great rebounder. Also 16 points per game. His defense was not the best, but I think he had enough on the offensive end to make this list. Yeah, no, absolutely. Nothing against Garrison Brooks. He was a phenomenal talent. Uh, I'm the type of guy when it comes to how I, you know, would would rank, you know, for a second team, you have to obviously take team, uh, you know, team, I guess, What's the word record, I guess, into consideration how the team performed overall. And, you know, obviously, Garrison Brooks was a huge part of UNC really even staying competitive in the ACC. But, you know, any team that was a preseason top four team in the conference that, you know, goes on to be the worst team in the conference, it's kind of hard to reward a, a player like that because I'm a big fan of Cole Anthony. If, you know, if I think he was, he, was, he was healthy for a majority of the year, you know, didn't go down with kind of the same thing with Key, you know, just nagging injuries and, and things like that, I would have had to put them in my top, you know, first, second team as well. But it's hard to reward a team that, you know, really struggled like UNC did. And they had games down the stretch, especially where they, you know, they should have won. I mean, but the it's it's kind of crazy that their last game of the year, of course, the last game of the ACC basketball season, you know, was them just getting absolutely ran out of the building by Syracuse um, and basically a home home environment in, in Greensboro. So it's hard for me to, to give – give a vote to somebody like that it's not not nice i'm punishing someone for a team effort i'm almost pulling a my the exact opposite of my argument when i thought lamar jackson should have won the heisman back-to-back years but um you know that's just kind of how (laughs) how that world goes i guess sometimes but don't worry i'll go off on unc later when we do our team (laughs) (laughs) yeah no absolutely but um our last accolade we still haven't discussed is our game of the year um, or games of the year, so we each picked three. I think we, I think we both came up with one that would probably be the game of the year. So we'll save that one for last. I know most people in the ACC would probably agree with us on that game of the year. Um, our games of the year, though, my other two besides the top one 
I actually had Duke at Wake Forest. I actually had the the lucky privilege, excuse me, of being there. Um, I was actually on TV in the post game interview. Uh, that was kind of a, a lucky happen chance where I can check off storming the court on my uh, resume of sports fans to do list. Um, that was obviously a one thirteen one hundred one double overtime win for Wake Forest. Uh, it's not as big of a win on the scale of the ACC. I mean, obviously, it kind of bumped Wake Forest up to being, you know, wearing white instead of wearing their their darks uh, in their in their uh, first round matchup in the in the tournament of the ACC. But obviously, it didn't springboard them into anything. And I think that it may have saved Danny Manning's job. So that's part of the reason why I think it is a big win because I know Wake Forest fans that that are out there, you know, most likely want him gone, but. I think that may have bought him one more year, especially with everything going on right now. He may get one more year just because he had, you know, two wins against in-state rivals that, you know, if Wake Forest beats Duke and UNC in the same season, obviously, you know, taking into consideration what UNC was, but, you know, with you, uh, Wake getting both those wins, you know, it's definitely a good year in, in Wake Forest athletics in terms of, you know, what their, their donors kind of see. And then my second one is Florida State at Clemson. I think that, that game down the stretch, it was a 70-69 to 69 win for Clemson at uh, Little John Coliseum there in Clemson. And that game was just, you know, it was a great back-and-forth game. I think it really did expose Florida State a little bit um, when they don't have someone that can, you know, necessarily step up. Uh, Clemson, obviously, was the most wishy-washy team. We'll get into that when we go into our team grades. But, you know, it, was, it really was, you know, a, a, a game of heads or tails with Clemson on whether or not they were going to show up or not. Um, that team was just so inconsistent. They're the, the only team that really beat every you know top four team basically in the ACC. Uh, but then at the same time, you know, barely could scrape you know together any major wins to really be a, a factor in the, in the NCAA tournament play. So obviously, you know, that was a big win. I think I think the biggest thing, and obviously we didn't get to see it down the stretch. I think that was going to be a game that really would have showed coaches how to beat Clemson, or excuse me, how to beat Florida State. Just because you know you could see the different ways Clemson attacked them and defensively kind of handled them. Uh, between them and Virginia, they really showed a, a a good job of kind of how to maintain Florida State's depth and how to kind of limit what they can do with all their pieces. Uh, but what were your two other games of the year? So for the second best ACC game of the year, I said Florida State Notre Dame. The second meeting, both of the Florida State Notre Dame meetings were good, but I picked the second one. Um, in this one. Florida State came all the way back from down 13 with 10 minutes left to come back before Trent Forrest won the game with three seconds to go. It was just, I mean, it was just a really good game. Very, like, it was a reason that they won the ACC. It was critical. A lot of people had their eyes on it because, you know, it was very tight at the top of the ACC down the stretch. And um, for my third game of the year, I said the Louisville-UVA first meeting. Um, that was a very hype atmosphere. Louisville did end up winning by seven, eighty to seventy-three, but it was close until the end. And UVA almost mounted one of those, another one of those classic UVA Louisville comebacks. They were down sixteen, and you could just tell Louisville fans really needed that win. They've been so unsuccessful against UVA in the past. I believe that UVA was ten of their last eleven against Louisville, and they blew so many leads, but they finally held on here. Um, you know. Thomas Wold, the 10 side, couldn't miss. He had 27 points. Nora played great. It was just one of those rare offensive fests in the UVA game that it was really fun to watch. Absolutely. And I think that game was the biggest game of the year for Virginia. Most teams don't necessarily take a loss 
and, you know, jumpstart themselves. But that game really did wake Virginia up. They really did, you know, realize that they can play with anybody. And, and with Louisville, it did get the monkey off their back. I have a good friend that's a, a University of Louisville alumni. And, you know, we always joked with them that no matter what, you know, Louisville could be up 20 in the final minute and a half against Virginia and they'd find a way to lose it. I mean, no one's ever going to forget the nine points in the final seven seconds a couple of years ago there. So yeah. definitely was a big win for, for both sides in terms of just, you know, jump-starting the season. I think that, like I, like I said, Virginia may have honestly gotten more out of it than Louisville did, <laughs> if that makes any sense for a team yeah, that, that, that lost the game. But, I mean, it did, you know, it got confidence in Molden Tensai and the offense, and obviously it, it showed that they're not just a team that can compete by holding you to 45 points. <laughs> yep. And that was their one loss in their last 12 games. So, mm-hmm. you know, they actually, I think they really steamrolled off that confidence. They ended up beating Duke, Florida state and Louisville on their, in their second meeting during that stretch. So yeah, very absolutely. Impressive. Absolutely. Season for UVA. absolutely. So then let's, let's jump start right into it. Uh, we'll do our team reviews. Uh, I'll let you pick. Do you want to well, go? You, um, Talk about our first. Oh yeah, he's right. I year. do. I do owe a game of the year. I, I, I just assume everyone knows. I kind of forgot about it, but yeah, yeah, no. That I, I'm sure we're all in agreement here. Anyone that's listening, but Duke at UNC overtime game, absolutely phenomenal. I'll let you kind of dive into the stats of it, but I mean, I'll, I'll I'll just tell my brief story. I was actually uh, working part time, and it was we had the game on at, at my work and. I remember I looked up. I'm like, "Wow, UNC's up ten. This game, this game might be over." You know, UNC might do it. And the next thing you know, Duke's finding every which way. And then you know, obviously Duke hits a last minute shot to send it to overtime, and then hits a last minute shot to win it. I can't get over me. I think it it solidified how good of a coach Coach K is. I think that his 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 game plan at first was not necessarily working. Obviously, UNC had everything uh, to the gain. They really had nothing to lose at that point. They were already the bottom of the ACC. No one really gave him a real chance. Um, but uh, how many would you have to say, Dan? Yeah, so, like, it always seems that Duke and UNC split, and this, like, finally didn't happen this year. But, um, yeah, 98-96 Duke in overtime. The star point guards on both sides going off. Trey Jones had 28, Cole Anthony had 24. Obviously, you mentioned the two buzzer beaters, the first being uh, Trey Jones in regulation on that perfectly executed missed free throw off the rim, which I believe we – didn't we see that, like, in the NBA a week earlier? Mm-hmm. Not big into the NBA, but I do remember, like, those plays being almost identical. And um, the second being Wendell Moore following that Trey Jones air ball to Layden at the win. And, you know, you almost got to feel bad for UNC. They had, like – they had, like, a stretch of three games losing on buzzer beaters – uh, Duke, UVA, and Notre Dame, I believe, in like four games. So, yeah, you know, they were the victims of some bad luck. I mean, they they did so poorly. You can't really, you can't really give them any um, sympathy. But you know, it's not like they were. I mean, some games they were getting blown out, but others they just lost in devastating ways. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think UVA and UNC, especially for a while, there were very similar in terms of you know. Well, like if you if you look at it, if UVA some of those games, you know they they eked out by two or three points, you know if that would have been you know flipped for them and UNC would have had the opposite where they snuck out these two three you know three point games, 
I'm, I'm be talking a, exactly. I'm gonna be talking a different story with those guys. I mean, everyone, yeah. you know, I know all the tech fans out there will say that you know UVA is just the luckiest team in the entire yeah. world. I think it it kind of speaks to what UVA had. I think I think a big reason why they had you know had the success in last minutes because you still had Diakite around, you had Key around. Obviously, Tony Tony Bennett and you know Roy Williams are similar in terms of they're both legendary coaches. So it's not like those coaches, you know one was doing a better adjustment than the other down the stretch. But, you know, the stars of, of UNC were not of the same experience of the stars of UVA in terms of those big-time leaders. I mean, Cole Anthony's a phenomenal athlete, but he doesn't have that same experience, that same moment that Diakite and Kia Clark have. So, you know, definitely, definitely also, played a role. When you're playing low-scoring games, like, a lot of, they're not going to be blots. A lot of them are going to be close. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just have to think about that. It's the style of play that they play. Every possession is just so important, and they win by valuing each possession, mm-hmm. as Tony Bennett loves to say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the, on the, on the head right there. It's just, you know, you said it's 48-48, you know. You've, <laughs> you're, 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 you, every basket matters. Where I'm not saying a 75-73 game doesn't matter, but when you're used to scoring 80 points, a lot of times you're winning by four, six, eight points. Where if you score 50 points, you're probably not holding a team to 35. If you are, that team's just probably not a good shooting team. You know, that's your your uh, your lower tier, you know, mid-majors at that point. But, no, absolutely. But that being said, um, kind of want to dive into our, uh, our team of the year. Kind of jumped the gun there in terms of, like, our, our team rankings and stuff like that. Obviously, we, we went over and agreed on Florida State, a team of the year. Do you want to start off by going down how the final standings kind of played out? Do you want to go down? Uh, alphabetical order that way you know anyone listening can kind of find their team and not have to remember the standings how do you want to do it yeah i think that for that reason alphabetical order makes the most sense absolutely so that would mean we start with boston college mm-hmm. um i give them a c minus they were preseason 13th they ended up tied for 10th like, you know 13 and 19 7 and 13 in conference nothing really impressive there they lost some bad out-of-conference games. They lost to Belmont, Richmond, St. Louis, DePaul, and Northwestern. Um, yes, Popovich was hurt for a while, but even when he was playing, he did not produce like they needed to, and they needed him to. And um, Jim Christian just got an extension this morning. I really can't understand that. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to play the, the card that there's not that many coaches available at the time, and that's the factor of obviously everything else going on in the world. I don't think the – I don't think the university officials, athletic officials, really want to go through trying to find a coach. I think that's part of it. And, I mean, if you think about it, obviously Boston College didn't have a very good year. Um, this has kind of been on par of where they've kind of been over the last couple of years. They did have some, you know, some pretty decent wins. You know, the win at Notre Dame is obviously a good win, beating Virginia at home you know, before Virginia got hot. But it's still a, a good quality win. Obviously, they won in, in Chapel Hill, which, you know, actually cost me a haircut. I, I, I bet on um, Boston College losing at UNC because uh, I didn't think that UNC was going to, you know, that was, similar, that was pretty close after the Duke game. I thought for sure UNC would be angry and come out and, you know, roll Boston College in Chapel Hill. And sure enough, you know, Jim Christian got his, got his guys up and ready to go and they eked out a 71-70 win on that day. But and they had some good wins. I mean, NC State, NCAA tournament team, that was their, actually their last win of the season. So, Again, I don't think he – I wouldn't say that you know, I, I'm, I'm appalled by them keeping him around, but I, I'm not surprised just based off the circumstances that, you know, athletic officials are probably – they probably look to see what they could get at this time. 
and probably realized that it would take a lot to, to pull someone away from somewhere else. It's obviously a chance to coach in the ACC, but it's not like, you know, people wake up every morning wanting to go coach at Boston College when hockey might be more important winter sport than basketball is up there. So it, it is, you know, it's not too surprising. I gave them a C minus as well. Um, part of the reason for what you kind of talked about, they were, you know, preseason 13 ended up, you know, being tied a little bit higher than that. Um, but they had so many games where they, you know, they, they impressed me like that North, that North Carolina win is still my, you know, that, that calling card. And I know North Carolina wasn't what they were, but to go to Chapel Hill and, and win for any Boston college team is impressive, regardless of how good or bad UNC was. But then obviously you look at some of their games and like you mentioned, you know, they got, they got ran out of the gym by, you know, Richmond and uh, Northwestern. Those are two teams that, yeah, you really don't want to, I mean, they lost by 30, was it 39? Yeah. 39 to Duke. Um, And then obviously the next, (laughs) next week, literally a week later went on to meet Virginia at home, but I went to Cameron indoor and lost by 39. I don't, that's, that's, uh, that's more of a uh, Elon kind of score, not a, not a Boston college kind of thing. So you know, definitely like most of college basketball this year was a little, little drunk. So, you know, not, not the worst year, but definitely, you know, if we're, if we're looking at college terms, you, you still passed, but you probably didn't take much out of the course. <laughs> yep. So um, next you know, on the list would be Clemson. I gave them a C um, preseason 11th. They finished ninth at 16 and 15, nine and 11 in conference. And like you alluded to before they really had a strange season they beat louisville duke and florida state while losing to virginia tech twice losing to miami and also losing to wake so uh what was your take on clemson yeah i actually gave them a b minus i think just because of their preseason expectations was quite low if you looked at the at the at the voting poll between you know they were the 11 seed and then you got miami at the preseason ranked ninth in the conference and there's over a 200 uh, voter, you know, vote gap. So it's definitely uh, there was a drop off, obviously, between Miami and Clemson. And Clemson was better than Miami this year. I think that you know, uh, Bromwell, I believe I'm saying his name correctly, you know, did a good job of you know getting those guys prepared. A 500 season, in not in ACC play itself, but just an, an overall record um, as an ACC team for a, a stature of Clemson is not bad. I mean, like you you, you alluded to, you know, they. They beat the top teams, lost to the bottom teams. I mean, I'm looking at it, you know, South Carolina was not a, not a great loss, but Virginia hosts the same loss. I mean, they, they played, you know, Colorado well early in the year. I mean, they, they, they showed that they were a team you really didn't want to face. Uh, I'm one of the, I'm going to go on the record and say, I think Clemson would have actually been a, a, a team that could have made a little bit of a, a little bit of noise in the ACC tournament. I actually would have saw them. I saw them beating Florida state and their uh, that matchup that, you know, every team that both teams warmed up for, but never actually played. So, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty high on where Clemson kind of was throughout the year. They, uh, but the thing was, it was a flip of a coin. You really didn't know what you were going to get. So I'm not going to you know, punish them too much because they did get some big wins, but you would think if you could, you know, beat Florida State, Virginia, Duke, you know, you, you'd be able to also hold off Wake Forest and, and things of that nature where they found a way to lose by 12 to Wake. <laughs> yep. So. All right, so next we got Duke getting a B-plus. Once again, preseason, they were picked to finish first. They finished tied for second, officially fourth at 26-5, and 15-5 and five in conference. They had a couple of slip-ups. Uh, Stephen F. Austin – 
Wake, Clemson. But overall, another good year. Um, once again, they'll be, they produce some more NBA talent. And, you know, we really don't know. Who knows what would have happened in the tournament? We really – I mean, that's really what, how I would define the Duke season. It's very unfortunate that we will never find out. Yeah, no, absolutely. My, I gave Duke a B-plus, too. Uh, my biggest thing necessarily wasn't even necessarily um, this year's team. It was kind of a comparison to Duke as, as what they've been. And this year's Duke team really just never overwhelmed me like as an impressive team. They were that team that, you know, they won pretty much every game I expected them to win. Obviously, they have their slip-ups. You know, that Stephen F. Austin, no one saw that coming. Um, to all those Virginia fans out there, that was actually a bigger Vegas spread odd loss than the UMBC Virginia game was. So, you know, if you want to, if you if you, you want to come at you know come at Duke fans, you can um, with that. But you know, they they never really gotten a, a win that I was like, wow, I can't believe they won that game. I mean, the UNC game, obviously, that game we talked about for our game of the year, that was one of those. I was like, wow, I can't believe they pulled it off. But it wasn't a, wow, I can't believe they actually beat UNC kind of thing. There never really was a night that they went out. And, you know, I was like, wow. You know, when they played Louisville at home, they lost that game. That was a game I would have been, like, kind of surprised they would have won. I mean, Florida State at home, a good win. But at the time, I thought Duke was the better team. Um, That Virginia game, another chance to kind of prove themselves. They obviously lost that one by two. They really didn't have you know, that, that game where I'm, you know, I'm trying to look through their schedule right now, and I still don't even see one where I was just like, man, I can't believe they pulled that one out. You know, This was a really good win for this team. I think Michigan State would have probably been that one game, but obviously that was not – I think that was right after they had lost to Virginia Tech. So at the same sense, it kind of downplayed that win just because obviously Virginia Tech won and beat them in Maui. So for me, they were another another good Duke team, but – Obviously, nowhere near where they were the last two years. So um, that's kind of why, I, you know, no A for me. There actually was a large portion of the season where Duke was in the top three in the Ken Palm, which I was very interested in. A lot of people think that the Ken Palms were like, were messed up this year because, you know, there's so, like, there were so many, like, ba- like, quote unquote bad teams being good teams that it's really hard to rank them. But I mean, I still like to go by the numbers, and but they really just they fell apart. Um, I'll look up where they were to end the season. I mean the Ken Palm. Oh, they're five. So yeah. Yeah, I mean Ken Palm did a better job, though, in my opinion, than that net ranking. That net ranking will still never make any sense to me when I don't know. Oh yeah. That last week of the season, Minnesota was ranked higher than Virginia in the net rankings, and Minnesota was not good, <laughs> and Virginia was talented, but. Obviously, the net, the net, it's like the old BCS. It rewarded you for winning. Like if if the if the net existed in football, Clemson would be the number one team in the country every year for how many blowouts they have. So yeah. it was definitely a. I think the Ken Palm might be the best one to go off of of, of all of them, especially in college basketball. It's a lot easier to really see because, I mean, and this year, like you said, it was it's just way too tough. I mean, there's so many teams that, especially that early part of the year, you tu- I turned into pretty much any college basketball game I could get because. Whoever I thought was going to win was probably going to lose. So yep. it really was a, 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 a good time with that. But um, our next – The logic. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like, I, there's no way this team should be this team. Therefore, they are going to. Like, that's basically <laughs> the logic I would use. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But uh, our next team is going to be Florida State. 
uh, with Florida State, obviously, uh, they're our team of the year. I actually, I'm a very generous grader. I gave them an A+. Plus. I think they got a 99 out of 100. They got one point because they forgot to put their last name on the on the top of the paper. <laughs> but uh, what they did was phenomenal. They weren't, you know, they got no first-place votes in the ACC coming into the year from the media. Um, no one saw Florida State as being, you know, a bad team. But if, if you were to look me in the eye or talk to pretty much any expert at the beginning of the year, I don't think anyone would have Florida State as potential one seed going into the last week of the, you know, the season. Where obviously I think if Florida State would have did what they what they what they were potentially able to do, they they were looking at that one spot. And for a for a football school, quote unquote, you know that's definitely impressive. Uh, I, I've already gave my spiel on how impressed I was with what Leonard, ha- Leonard Hamilton did with his team. But yeah, kind of curious to hear what you think about Florida State. Yeah, I gave them an A plus as well. I think we kind of touched on the reasoning. I I already discussed them in my team of the year. So let's um move on to Georgia Tech. Another very impressive team compared to expectation. I gave them an A. Preseason 12th, they finished 5th at 17 and 14, 11 and 9. Oh, I'm sorry, I gave them an A- because, um, you know, they did finish 5th in the conference, but their record wasn't overwhelming. So, I'm sorry, A-. And, um, yes, they had, they had a really rough start to the season. They lost to Ball State by 18. They lost to Syracuse by 34 early on, but they picked it up down the stretch. And, you know, it would have been a five seed in the ACC tournament. I mean, who would have thought Georgia Tech would have been a five seed? So, definitely going to give them a pretty high grade for that. Yeah, absolutely. No, I gave Georgia Tech a B plus. I jokingly was going to give them an A minus, but because of the NCAA sanction, they lost a point. So, I bumped them down from a from a 90 to an 89. But, you know, they – they were that team that throughout the year, if you weren't following ACC basketball, you would have no idea was that they're going to top six, seven of the conference. They really never made that much noise. I mean, you think about that Louisville win was obviously a huge win, but I mean, you look at the rest of it, there really isn't a win on their docket that makes you go, oh my goodness, that early win at UNC maybe, you know, but that was kind of, UNC had kind of made it clear they weren't what they were going into the year. I mean, out of conference, they they weren't very good. They weren't very good at all out of conference. If you think about it, when you're, you know, eleven and nine in conference, seven and fourteen, that means you're barely playing five hundred ball out of conference, which you would think would be the other way around in a conference like the ACC, where you know some of these teams, you, know, you look at it, you know, Clemson obviously was under five hundred in conference, going sixteen and fifteen. Uh, Miami was one game under five hundred, but six games under five hundred in conference. You know, just some things like that that you don't normally see from an ACC team. Um, when they kicked off the year winning at Georgia – not Georgia, excuse me, winning at NC State in overtime, you know, that was, that was you know, something that I definitely was not expecting. I think that, obviously, uh, Pastner, Pastner – I can't believe – I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right. I can't pronounce names right, so everyone forgive me. But he uh, definitely uh, played for his job and I think obviously kept it. So it's definitely something that's big for them. But, I mean, Georgia Tech was probably the most raisin brand of, of college basketball. They were a team that, like, came out, got the job done when they needed to. On nights they weren't supposed to, they, they weren't the choice. But, man, they were just they were just simple. It was, it was really nothing special about them. I know my, any Georgia Tech fan will probably come after me on that, especially because I hype up Georgia Tech football so much. But just – very, very lackluster, but they got the job done. I mean, like you said, if, if you would have looked at them and you assumed that they would have been, you know, five seed in, in the ACC tournament, I would have laughed in your face going into the year. 
But sure enough, they would have. And heck, man, it would have been fun to see what they could have done. They were, you know, riding high. I think it was a four game. Yeah, four game winning streak riding into the tournament and winning six out of the last seven. So who knows? They could have they could have been that team that, you know, upsets Duke in that in that uh quarterfinal matchup and gets rolling from there. So definitely would have been fun to see what Georgia Tech could have done. Yep. So um next on the list would be Louisville. <laughs> I gave them A minus for meeting their high expectations. Um their preseason third. They finished tied for second, officially third. At twenty four and seven, fifteen and five in the ACC, um, Jordan Nuora, as we touched on, he was great. I I'm a big fan of Dwayne Sutton. I thought he had a really underrated season. Um, McMahon hit some key shots. Enoch was more of a force inside. They did have some good wins against Duke and Virginia, and I mean, Louisville fans not weren't happy about losing to K- Kentucky again. But overall, I think. Any Louisville fan would agree they had a pretty nice season, so a minus for them. Yeah, no, I, I I gave I gave Louisville an A, just because of the fact that kind of like you said, they actually lived up to expectations. Of how many times have we heard, you know, Louisville's going to be this, you know, this 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 power started team? I was one of the people that was kind of a doubter on them this year. You know, and they came in preseason top three after kind of how last year went. You know, losing to Minnesota in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Like, there's no way this this same team's going to come around and you know, really make a run in the ACC, but I was wrong. I mean, they they were my, you know, my top team throughout the year. I thought for sure they were going to win the win the ACC until obviously that Georgia Tech loss kind of threw a wrinkle into things and really opened the door for every other ACC team to, in the top four at least to get a chance at, you know, that spot. But, I mean, there's not much to say. We kind of touched on all of it. You, you mentioned it, you know, the war was fantastic um, overall. You know, Chris Mack did a great job of, really putting those guys in place. Um, uh, honestly, could, could not speak any higher for what, what he's done, especially with turning around a program that, you know, not only was in some trouble in the NCAA, but just, you know, really kind of lost its touch. I mean, Louisville became the, a desolate island, both football and basketball, you know, with, with coaches getting into some trouble. And, and Mac's done a great job of turning them around. And I mean, who knows, next year could be a really good year for him. So that's – It'll be, it'll be fun to watch for sure. But um, obviously we got Miami next. Uh, with Miami, I gave them a C. They really didn't exceed expectations. They really didn't under-exceed expectations. I was kind of shocked with being six games under 500 in conference play. But if you think about it, pretty much everybody in that bottom part of the conference was around that area. I mean, they tied with Boston College and Virginia Tech at, you know, 7-13. Uh, had the best – well, actually, Virginia Tech had one more win, but they both had the same amount of losses um, in overall play. But not much to say about Miami. Miami was one of those teams that you really didn't want to play because you knew you were going to get a game from them, but at the same time, they never were, you know, world beaters or anything like that. I'm trying to remember, but they really didn't have any huge upset during the year that I can remember. I could be wrong, but, really. they, I mean, they Louisville handled them pretty handily. Duke handled them by – 20 some points like a lot of teams they came close to being virginia but did not end up doing exactly that, so. yeah there looks like their best win honestly may have been syracuse at the last game of the regular season in overtime or if you want to count that that fantastic performance they had against virginia tech where they rallied late to win in that triple overtime thriller in blacksburg oh, yeah. but i mean there really wasn't i mean they, they even lost to north carolina by 23 in chapel hill 
And I mean, losing in Chapel Hill is never anything to like be disappointed in, but with how UNC was obviously this year and losing by 23 to them, that's uh, not necessarily that good of a look, but you know, like I said, they, they were a team that they basically, you know, they were the one team in the ACC. You could kind of get what you were expecting. They won the games. You, you expect them to win. They lost the games that, you know, you expected they didn't, they didn't shock the world, but what, what were you feeling on Miami? Yeah. I think that's a great way of putting it. I also, I gave them a C minus. So one fraction of a grade less than you, um, preseason ninth, they finished tied for 10th. Um, when I talk about Miami, I want to mention, give a little shout out to Chris likes. I love him. Um, he was great and he's impressive what he could do given his size, but they really lacked on the defensive side of the ball. They were, 149th in defensive efficiency in the Ken Palm, and that really held them back. But I think that's a really great way of putting it how they, you know, took care of business when they needed to, but didn't really have any, didn't really do anything that impressive. Just mediocrity, basically. Yeah. So next, you got Notre Dame. Notre Dame, uh, North Carolina, depending on how you, how you do your, if you do based off NC, if you bake it up, base it off of, yeah, we'll go with Notre Dame. They're all in the ends. Fine with me. Um, I think technically North Carolina would come first, N O R N O T, but so it's, oh, but it doesn't matter. I'm actually looking at an ACC pennant here in my office and it shows the uh, North Carolina yeah, first. This off the top of my head, so. Yeah, no, we'll do, let's do North Carolina just so the fans, you know, can yeah. keep in order. But um, North Carolina, I know you have a little bit of a go off, so I'll let you go last on that one. I'm just going to keep it short and simple. They weren't very good. <laughs> they uh, they were they were fun to watch. I will say that because especially when you know they weren't doing so well, it was a kind of refreshing to see North Carolina not be what they have been. But I, mean, I really do enjoy watching Cole Anthony. I, I'm a very very big fan of him. Um, I don't know if he's sticking around. He's probably not. But. I mean, I would love to see him come back for another year. Um, I yeah, I, I would. I, if I were him, I'd get out as soon as possible. Go, 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 go! Make your money while you can, uh, especially with the way the NCAA is going. We'll save that for another topic. You know, it might be best if we, uh, you know, if he goes make some money. But I mean, not much to say. Uh, I was, I was kind of impressed how they kept every game close. I am impressed how they kept it close with Duke. I am impressed with, you know, how they gave Virginia a run for their money in Chapel Hill. Obviously, the game in Charlottesville was a little bit different. But, again, you can't, you can't lose at Wake Forest and, and call it a good year in Chapel Hill if, you know, Wake Forest was not the worst team in, in the state in basketball. And that's never a promising sign, um, in, you know, down here in the Tar Heel State. So, um, with that being said, I'll let you kind of dive into a little bit more. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna keep this a little bit short because we're past the 45 minute mark here. But um, yeah, they were preseason second and they finished tied for last at 14 and 19, five games under 500, six and 14 in the conference. That's just unacceptable for a program like that. Yes, they were riddled with injuries. Cole Anthony was out for a while, but even when he played, they really weren't winning. Everything was falling apart, and they they had no reason losing. They had no business losing 19 games with that kind of talent, and um. Interesting stat here. It was the first time losing less than 20 games since the 2003-2004 season. They lost. They only won 14 of them, so six less than that. That's crazy for a program like that. Yeah, that's 
unacceptable to say the least. Uh, yeah, like you said, we're, we're getting a little high on time here, so we'll kind of speed it up a little bit. But with NC State, you know, I I don't think we gave rankings or our grades for UNC, but I'm just going to assume. That oh, I think we both I think, agree. It was yeah, I think right? we were. I, I questioned a D minus for a little while, though, just because I like to be generous and, you know, understand that things happen. But no, that's a program that, you know, it's like Florida State, if they were to go two and 10 in football, absolutely yeah. unacceptable, regardless of, you know, way things have, you know, things break or anything like that. But with NC State, I gave them a B. Um, conference wise, they really weren't anything special. I mean, a 500 mark in conference doesn't really speak that high to me. But at the same time, you know, they were on the bubble, did a fantastic job out of conference. I mean, 20 and 12 overall and losing two games out of conference. Definitely a, a flip the script of what Clemson had. So, you know, that was probably the difference of why NC State was on the bubble and Clemson wasn't in terms of just overall of what they did, but um, out of conference. But what do, you, what do you have to say about NC State? Also, a shout out to my guy, Johnson. My, Michael Johnson is absolute fantastic talent over there at NC State. Um hope that he, he he hangs around and makes yep. makes some noise so um, so um that's they won 20 games so even though they finished six when well they were projected to finish six but i would say like we think that was a great result considering how bad the conference was and the NCAA was as a whole but i give them a d minus 20 and 12 10 and 10 in conference pretty solid year kind of did exactly how expected like i said um after losing to Georgia Tech to begin the season, as you pointed out earlier, they, after doing that, they they looked pretty good. They won a lot of games, but then they had an 0-3 stretch in the middle of the year where they lost to Georgia Tech again, lost to UNC, and they also lost to Louisville. And that really set them back from, I, mean, I want to say a tournament, but like the bracketology because they wasn't really an official bracket selected. But there were points where we thought they were going to be in the tournament, and then at the end of the year they were not, so – those three losses were really what set them back. Absolutely. Also, I want to make a correction there. I, I always forget that Markel Johnson's a senior, so hopefully he makes noise in the league, but we'll see. He probably won't be drafted very highly if drafted at all, but just wanted to make that correction before anyone calls me out for it. I keep thinking he's a junior, which I wish he was a junior. We'll have to see what he could do one more year. Um, but now now on to Notre Dame, the other uh, – not the other, but one of three 10 and 10 teams. We'll actually touch on the next one. Not too soon after this, but in conference play, uh, 20 and 12 again, which is, you know, obviously different because you would think that, you know, obviously with NC State being 20 and 12, 10 and 10, that they would have been a team that, you know, would have been on the bubble as well. But Notre Dame just didn't really have the same strength of schedule. I don't have it in front of me. I, I probably should have written it down, but I remember it was remotely much higher, or excuse me, much, I guess it would be higher in terms of higher number. You know, in terms of the hundreds of, of the strength of schedule, I mean, they really, really didn't have a great, you know, out of conference win. Their their one chance against Maryland early in the year, they lost by you know twenty. So that's never really a good look. Obviously, they opened the year with a loss at North Carolina, which I mean, at the time North Carolina was number nine in the country. But we know how that played out. They lost to Indiana at home. Um, so really, in the games, they really had a chance to kind of make some noise, especially early in the year. They really didn't do so. That lost at Wake Forest. Um, a couple of days after Wake won against Duke was a little surprising to me. I was actually at that game as well, and definitely kind of solidified any any shot of them potentially making the NCAA tournament. You know, completely removed them. Can't lose at Wake Forest. You know, if you want to be a team in the tournament, but 
uh, with Notre Dame. I did give them a, a B minus because they really, they did technically in the tournament reach the same seeds with their preseason. They were preseason seventh in the conference. Um, they were supposed to be right there with Syracuse, which they were. Both were 10 and 10. Actually had a better overall record, though. So, I mean, they didn't exceed expectations, but again, they really didn't underperform. They just were, they were Notre Dame, a team that, you know, you didn't necessarily really want to play, especially if you're Virginia. Those games, the good old, I, I wish we would have had that uh, ACC tournament game, you know, a good old 52 to 50 ball game. But um, what, what do you say about Notre Dame? I also gave them a B minus. Um, yeah, very similar to NC State, actually, identical records. Um, they, I mean, an interesting accolade. They actually won 20 games for the fifth time in six years. I actually, when I was looking at that, I didn't really expect that. But now that I look back, they've been a pretty consistently solid program, with the exception of last year. Um, they, Yeah, like you said, they didn't really have any impressive wins, which is why I only gave them a B- despite winning 20 games, but still not a bad season. So, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, that's that. Good old Pitt. So with Pitt, not going to dive too much into it. Not, not saying that Pitt's irrelevant to all of our listeners out there, but I mean they really, they were they were they were the Pitt of years past, which is disappointing because you know they were preseason to be a little bit better than years past. They were preseason top ten in the conference. Obviously, obviously finished tied for last, but ended up having to wear blue, um, wear their road uniforms in the conference tournament. That game against Wake Forest was actually quite impressive, and they did look good against uh, NC State there. Was it NC State? Yeah, against NC State um, in that second-round matchup in the conference tournament. Now, obviously, they didn't pull it out, but you know they, they, they showed signs of life. But I don't really have much to say about Pitt. They, they were very, uh, very consistent in terms of losing games that they were kind of supposed to. Uh, I, Pitt had one upset, didn't they? Yeah, I would say, yeah, Florida State at the beginning of the year. Yeah, that was, that was definitely a, a huge win for them. Um, obviously, credit going to Chapel Hill, getting the win again. Hard to hype up all those wins against UNC, but anytime a program like Pitt can go to Chapel Hill and get a win, it's a huge you know building block in the next step for them. So, uh, shout out for that. But um, what do you got to say about little Pitt? So, um, yeah, I have a my brother goes there, and both of us really expected them to take a big step up this season. They really didn't. So I gave them a D. Um, Xavier Johnson hit a really disappointing season after a promising freshman campaign. They lost early to Nichols, and um, they didn't really look too bad after that until they lost eight of their last nine, with the exception of just a win over Wake. I will say I was pleasantly surprised with Justin Champagny, but just an overall bad season for them, and it's their fourth straight losing season, so I don't know. I was really hyping up Jeff Capel when they hired him, but he really hasn't shown that much. I mean, they beat Florida State two years in a row, but he hasn't really shown any consistency yet. No, absolutely. I, I agree full-heartedly. Uh, next is Syracuse to complete the uh, that 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 10 and 10 trend. Uh, they decided not to be as good out of conference as the rest, but they also played a little bit better schedule. Obviously finishing 18 and 14. Syracuse was that team that Really frustrated me because I really thought they had the potential of being an NCAA tournament team, losing at home to North Carolina, and then obviously ending the regular season with a loss in, in Miami. Not a good look for Bayheim and his boys, but you know this is a team that you know a lot of times during the year had some good stretches, but you can't lose by 24 to Louisville on the road. You can't lose to NC State at home. You can't lose at Miami. 
if you're a Syracuse program like that. I mean, this is a team that I feel like we're just saying it more and more every year with, with Syracuse. You know, each year goes by, and you know this is a team that's only a couple of years removed from a Final Four run, right? Yeah, Final Four run when they knocked out Virginia in the Elite Eight. So, I mean – Very vivid memory. <laughs> I'm sure you do. So, I mean, it's one of those things where it's just like – I, I don't get it. It's the the years that I expect stuff from them, they don't. Years that I that I uh, have low expectations, they decide to exceed them. I gave them a B though, just because they were middle of the pack in, in, in the ACC. I mean, they were a preseason eight seed in the conference, and you know, finished technically as as the sixth seed. They were seventh in the standings, but they kind of hit expectations. They record wise were kind of around where I thought they would be, but. At the same time, some of the losses they had were were a little abysmal. It does it does help that looking back on it, obviously those early season losses to Penn State and Iowa did not look good. Everyone's like, "How can you lose to Penn State and Iowa at home?" Obviously, well, they they fixed that. Um, that, yeah. that. Penn State and Iowa proved to be a very talented team, so at least that you know kind of came back and and came full circle. And that early loss to Virginia and probably be one of the worst offensive performances I've ever seen. Thirty four points. Uh, definitely like, that the first six minutes of the game was like two two. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the box score right now, and man, just and the worst part is like any team that scores 48 points, you don't think is going to win a game, but especially winning by 14 points. Who? <laughs> yeah, that's... that was that really set the stage for the first half of the Virginia season. Yeah, it looks like it looks like Syracuse had only scored two points in the first 11 minutes of the ball game. Yeah, that's uh, not good. <laughs> say the least. Um, I actually gave them a C plus due to their 18 and 14, not impressive record. I was really disappointed with their defense. Their offense was great. They had four double digit scores in Hughes, Bayheim, Gerard, and Dolajai. But um, that famous Bayheim two, three zone just wasn't effective. And um, they got up a ton of points and it certainly held them back. And um, next we got my Virginia Cavaliers, which I mean, I could rant about them, but I I gave them an A. I already t- touched on them when I named Tony Bennett my ACC Coach of the Year. Their preseason fourth, they finished tied for second at 23-7, and 15-5 and five in the conference. It was a very interesting season for them. They lost three NBA draft picks in, in uh, Hunter, Jerome, and Guy. But Mamadi and, Kihei, and Kihei Clark really stepped up for them. And like I said, they started out 12-6, and six, finished 11-2. and two. Early on, they had a lot of trouble putting up points. They eventually picked up their play. Their defense got even better. They sco- They finally scored enough points with help from role players like Will the Tensai. Huff really stepped it up on both sides of the ball in the latter portion of the season. And, um, yeah, that's what I got for my who's. Yeah, no, I got I got Virginia an A-. minus. Virginia was the most – Roller coaster type team, I think I've seen all year. Obviously, every game was a nerve wracker for any who's out there. You know, those games were were tight as can be. You you would be up eight in the final five, and the next thing you know, you're down two in the final minute. You're, you're asking for a, a big stop and a big basket, which they always found a way to do. So, I mean, obviously, credit credit where credit's due. But um, you know, even the season can be the same way. You know, that that win against Syracuse though was ugly offensively. A 14 point win in the Carrier Dome is. Nothing to you know laugh at, especially when you hold a team like Syracuse to 34 points. I mean that's definitely a phenomenal job by Tony Bennett. You know the start of the season looked pretty promising. I think they started what six and zero, 
five and zero, seven and zero, somewhere in that category. And then obviously the the losses to Purdue, South Carolina lost to Purdue. Yeah, and, then, and a loss to South Carolina at home in double digits. You know, some of those games just were lack of uh, definitely not what you're used to seeing in the Tony Bennett era of Virginia. If you lose a game like that, you know you lose a close one. But you know that's kind of how the cookie crumbled. I think that South Carolina game, actually maybe the Purdue game, was the closest to the UMBC game Virginia's had. In the, you know, in terms of just overall disappointment and just absolute lack of discipline down the stretch. But obviously they ended the year as the hottest team in the ACC. Um, they were definitely a team that you definitely didn't want to see in March. You know, they were the team that could, I, I think, either would have lost in the first round or made a run all the way to the final four. Um, yep. you, could see, you could see either or. So, you know, A- minus were, were things are due. Virginia Tech, I know your, uh, your arch rival there. Uh, I actually – I'm pretty high on what Virginia Tech did. Obviously, they started the year off by beating Michigan State and Maui, really looking like, you know, Mike Young had resurrected this program, you know, that they were actually taking a step forward from the Buzz Williams era, which, you know, it was hard to do. Buzz was a great guy, you know, great program starter there at Virginia Tech. But, you know, it eventually caught up to them. They realized that, you know, they just weren't the same talent they were. Landers Nolly was no longer – hitting every single shot and you really got a Mike young team where if the, if the threes weren't falling, I mean, you, I'm sure you watched the Virginia game there, you know, where they had their lowest output in the first half in I think program history. And then, yeah. and then all of a sudden they hit you know, six or seven threes in the second half and things got rolling, you know, any team, I, I, I don't know these official stats, but I feel like they took at least 30 to 40 threes every single night. Um, so they're definitely a team that, no, they were like Mike Young's teams at Wofford. They were run and gun, fire the three, you know, live or die from it. If they were, if they weren't falling, then it's a tough night to be a Hokie. And if they were hitting, <laughs> they could beat anybody in the country. So I think that not necessarily that they they definitely exceeded expectations. I mean, they were preseason second worst in the conference. I've I saw them as worse as you know as the Wake Forest in terms of the the lowest team in the conference. So I think that they did a good job down the stretch, kind of ruined it. If they would have, you know finished uh, above 500 and maybe not tied with Boston college in Miami. And in the last part there, and obviously that, that uh, first round of the NCAA turn or not NCAA, excuse me, AC tournament against North Carolina where you get blown out of the building, you know, if that would have maybe ended a little bit differently, they may have gotten a, a B or even a B plus from me, but either way, it was still a good year for tech. I think that, you know, Mike Young is going to have that team going in the right direction. Once he kind of starts recruiting some more shooters, they could be, they could be a team you don't want to play in the ACC. Yep. So I gave Virginia Tech a C. They basically met their low expectations. They had a lot of players transfer out before the year. Most significantly, Kerry Blackshear. And they were expected to take a huge fall in the first year under Mike Young. That's exactly what happened. And Nolly, like, as you mentioned, definitely fell off after a great start. And now he's actually in the transfer portal. Um, I'm a big fan of Tyrese Radford, but – in general, they're just young and experienced. They didn't have, they didn't have, you know, the consistency to, you know, you know, have that much success this year. So yeah. Anyway, we got our last team, Wake Forest. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give them a C when you're preseason worst team in the conference and don't necessarily finish there. Um, obviously, I'm gonna give you a little bit benefit of the doubt, even though technically they. Only weren't the worst team because of tiebreakers. But at Wake Forest, I mean, obviously a program that's, that's had some good success, obviously. Tim Duncan, Chris Paul, and the list can go on, Muggsy Bogues. 
Um, but this is a this is a program that I'm I, I am surprised Dan Manning's still still here, um, here in Winston Salem. Uh, nothing against the, the the guy himself, but I mean the best he's done is a playing game for the for for the Deeks. Um, overall, this team down the stretch. If it if it weren't for the fact of the conference tournament game against you know Pitt, I would have spoke a lot higher of them. I mean that win against Duke and Notre Dame in the same week, definitely the best week of uh, Wake Forest basketball in a in a hot minute. Um, anytime you can beat your your arch rival, who's at the time the number seven team in the country, in a double overtime thriller where uh, Duke kind of got hot in the second half and actually the end of the first half to really you know make things interesting after Wake kind of had a, a double digit lead to start. They obviously played Virginia close into into overtime. I mean, you look at it, they lost at Clemson by three, uh, only lost to Florida State by ten, and they they were in games and they beat Xavier at home, which you know was obviously a good win. Uh, but and they also lost to Charlotte at the beginning of the year, and losing to a team like UNC Charlotte really not a good look. Um, they were just you know kind of what you said with Wake Forest or with Virginia Tech, you know they. They lived up to their expectations of not being very good. I mean, they they were they were definitely not a team you wanted to sleep on, but they never necessarily, you know, were in any contention for anything of any magnitude, really. Yeah, I think you pretty much put the nail on the head there. I mean, I like to add like how atrocious their defense was, and their offense really wasn't great either. They had basically no depth, and um, this will be their fifth losing season in six years so I'm really questioning perhaps they need a coaching change but you know there's a reason I'm not the athletics director for Wake Forest yeah no absolutely um that kind of wraps it up uh we appreciate everybody for listening we will be coming back soon I think we're going to do a little bit of fun on uh, on the fifth quarter ACC Twitter page um that's where you can follow myself uh, we're gonna probably do here a. Uh, we're gonna complete the uh, the bracket for the ACC men's basketball tournament. I, I do want it's gonna be a fan participation. We're gonna fill it out the way that uh, we kind of had it kind of going and playing out. We'll kind of discuss why we saw it playing out that way. We'll obviously um, hear what the fans have to say on social media. So feel free to give us some love on there and at least participate in the poll. Um, if you want to follow myself, like I said, it's at FQACC. And then for my man, Dan, you want to go ahead and share your social media handle? Yeah, so um, I my ACC account, Average Conference Content, at ACC Content underscore, two Cs, not – so AC Content. Um, and then, of course, always got to promote my personal, Dan at NYWahoo33. That's where I do a lot of my tweeting. Um, I mean, it's very UVA-based, but I always try to be unbiased. So if you give me a follow there, that would be great. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all. Yeah, we appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, we'll be putting uh, putting some more stuff out here in the week, and we're going to make this a weekly thing. We want to hear what you guys have to say, so feel free to uh, reach out to us on social media. Uh, feel free to tell Dan why UVA was not very good this year. Feel free to tell Dan why uh, Brennan Armstrong is not the future quarterback at UVA. But, um, you know, we'll get into that that when football gets started. But we appreciate you guys for listening. So thanks for listening, guys.